Tara and Sandra. Welcome. Morning, everyone. Morning. What a fabulous time of year that we are in at the moment, as we've already been discussing. Our mailboxes are filled, flooded with catalogues. We're being hit with sales, left, right and centre. Sales that actually probably have weird names like Black Friday and Cyber Monday and goodness knows what else. Christmas carols, I love Christmas carols, they are everywhere, but also Christmas pop songs are everywhere as well. I mean, seriously, Ricky Martin should never have written, ay, 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 it's Christmas. <laughs> Car parks are scarce, don't get me started on that, and the use of glitter is rampant, especially in my job. And all of this is just in the lead up to one special time of the year, and we all know that that's Christmas. Sometimes it's hard to wade through the consumerism, as Nairi was saying, and even the cynicism that we find to be able to get to the reason for the season, which of course is baby Jesus who was born in the manger. Which begs to an obvious question really, who was this woman who was gutsy enough to give birth to her son in a room full of livestock? There has just got to be something about Mary that led her to that place. So I'd like us to read together from Luke 1. Hopefully, here we go. And this is from the message version. In the, the sixth, sixth month. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, you go. Oh, you want me to read it? <laughs> I thought we were reading it we'll together. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name, oh, May. <laughs> Some like to call her Mary. Just a wee little typo. Yeah. <laughs> Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beautiful beauty. Beautiful inside and out. And God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind such a greeting like that. But he, the angel, assured her, Mary, you've got nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. And he will be great and be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. And Mary said to the angel, but I've never slept with a man. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to earth will be called Holy, Son of God. And did you know that your, I didn't know that angels kind of like did, I don't know, I don't know if you call this gossip, but you know, he's bringing up to speed anyway. <laughs> did you know your cousin, Liz, Conceived a son as old as she is. I think he's a bit tactless. Everyone has called her barren. And here she is, six months pregnant. So you see, nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, yeah, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid. I'm ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say. 
There you go, girl. Wow, thank you. <laughs> so, something about Mary. First off, she wasn't a woman. She was just a 14-year-old girl. And as we read, she's engaged to Joseph. I mean, can you imagine that, being 14 and engaged? I know that when I was 14, my dad was trying to threaten boys, scare them off with the shotgun, let alone arranging my marriage. Engagements like these were actually um, lasted for a year and they were as binding as the marriage contract itself. So um, if the woman was to ever break this arrangement, it would be punishable by death. So I don't know about you, but I think one of Mary's first thoughts that was flitting around in her head is an angel saying that she's going to be pregnant is um, of her imminent death. At least that would be one of my um, first thoughts anyway. Um, towards the end of her pregnancy, when the whole baby waddle was actually in full swing, um, she had to pack up and travel by foot from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And we've Google searched this. Google? And, yeah, and we found out that it's only a mere 130 k's. So, yeah, you can well imagine how hard that would be. Yeah, so there is definitely something about Mary. You know, we found as we were talking that... Mary had this most amazing ability to like embrace mystery, like not needing all the answers to what was yet ahead. I mean, her reply was like, so be it to me, as you say. I just find that absolutely astounding. I'd like to read you this quote by um, Callistos Ware. It is not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every question, but to make us progressively aware of a mystery. It's God. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. As we walk longer with God, I think that this quote just becomes more and more true. We know it's not about as much as we actually have read about as actually who we discover who he is, and he becomes this, oh my goodness, he's like more, better, bigger, amazing than I ever thought he was, and it causes us to wonder all the more. And Mary was able to kind of embrace this. I mean, like Tara said, she's 14. I mean, do we have any 14-year-olds in here? Are they all like zipped out? One. Would you be really happy with dad who's sitting next to you be arranging your marriage? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. Mm. But maybe Mary had youth on her side, you know, like a little bit of, oh yeah, let's just give it a go. I mean, or it's a bit of drama. This could be exciting. We don't know what's happening around the corner. Or we often heard our parents say to us when we were 14, you need to stop and think. Think about what you're doing. But did she do that? No. I mean, she responds straight away. She believed. She believed in the God of her ancestors. Now, being in the um, Judean religion, Judaism, that was an oral tradition. So all your um, reading was not you literally getting your book and reading the scrolls. It was read to you. And she was a part of that society where it was all being spoken about all the time. So she believed in the God of her ancestors, but somewhere along the way, he became her God. 
not just a God, but her God. So she trusted this God with this change of script, as I would see it. And did she know all the details? No. You know, what we don't know is sometimes as important as what we do know. Interesting thought. While scriptures, they never exalt ignorance. They do honor trust. And trust is proven in the midst of confusing circumstances with all the myriad of questions that go with it. And in effect, trust means that what we have come to know to be true about God is greater than all the circumstantial evidence that sometimes comes in and around it. And remembering the purposes of God and his promises right at that point is crucial, isn't it? All of us that have walked through some difficult places, we know that that is crucial for us. All that Mary had learned about God, who he was, who he is, and who he is to come, would have been flitting through her head, along with the death thing, when the angel spoke to her. Can I put a little plug in here? for reading your Bible or listening to it on your iPod. That way you can actually get to know your God, how he speaks, how he moves, what he does and how he says it, so that you'll be like Mary and recognize him when he turns up and recognize someone he sends to you as well. Back on point though, there was a time when we read in scripture, where almost nobody believed Mary. And she didn't have the church, the local church to go down to where she could go and speak to some of her mentors about, you know, what do I do here? She didn't have contemporary books that she could look up online and read different authors who'd also met with angels and figure out what they did with the angels too. There were no theologians helping her unpack whether the angel spoke to her in Greek or Hebrew and what the circumstances were around it. There was no family that was supporting her. Like, they were like, "Uh uh-uh. Joseph didn't believe her, her fiancé. An angel came to her, seemingly prior to the conception, and said, this is what God's going to do. Are you willing? And what does she choose? I choose to believe. I choose to trust. Trust. Yeah, let's hone in on that trust a little bit here. Um, I don't know about you, but I love a good acronym. So we're going to look at trust being spelled as truth, risk, ultimate, safety, and thankfulness. So the first T for truth. When we're building a relationship with someone, your trust is built around the truths that you share with each other and the truths that you know about each other. This is the same with our relationship with God. We need to know the truth of who he is in order to trust him. As Sandra was saying, Mary came from a Jewish family and grew up listening to these oral traditions and learning about the stories of her ancestors and learning how God interacted with them, with his love, his mercy, his compassion, and his justice. And she knew that he had that for them and could trust that she had, he had that for her too. It takes time to get to know the true character of a person. 
And that's often time that we are so happy to spend in the pursuit of relationships and friendships. But can we honestly say that we spend that time and go on that pursuit in our relationship with God to learn the truth of his character so that he can be the one that we trust? Risk, R for risk. It is often said that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. I'm glad I spelled it right. I always try to throw a C in there. Um, I don't know why. And there is often a lot of risk involved when you trust someone. You could be risking your heart or you could be risking your reputation. And as we can see that Mary is actually risking both of these things as she takes that step of faith and says, I am willing or I believe in this version. Use for ultimate. When you place your trust in someone, or even something, you are believing in the ultimate, in the best, in the finality, and in the fundamentals of what that person is saying or doing. Take your parents, for instance. They're saying to you, I love you, or I am proud of you. You know that you can believe that, you trust that, because that's the best that they have for you, from their unconditional love. Or at least you hope they have unconditional love for you. (laughs) Or... Another instance, you're going to, about to jump out of a plane and you've got a parachute to your back. So your trust is in that because its ultimate job is to get you safely to the ground. Am I right, Matt? <laughs> so as we saw in Luke 1, in verses 28 to 30, where um, the angel was saying to Mary, God is with you, uh, you have nothing to fear. Her trust, with her trust in God, Mary can actually reach for the ultimate of those statements and know that she is safe. Which brings us to S for safety. In early childhood, we talk a lot about having a sense of belonging. And in having a sense of belonging, it means that um, you feel safe. You know that you have a place. You feel safe to be yourself. You feel safe to try things out, do new experiences. You feel safe to take risks. Mary clearly had a strong sense of belonging in her relationship with God. She felt safe in his arms, and she was able to trust and take those risks. So we have T. Which is thankful, and I get to speak about this. She was thankful. Um, In the next part of Scripture, after what we had just read, it says the angel leaves, he just goes, and then Mary immediately gets up to go see Elizabeth because she wants to check this out, whether this is really true. Is she six months pregnant? And so off she goes. And as soon as she greets Mary, she has this astounding, like, prophetic song, they actually call it, and it's called the Magnifique. That's what they've called it. And I just find that her response in this area says volumes about Mary about her character, about her integrity, and her maturity. I mean, I haven't read anywhere that when she turned up to Liz, she said, oh my gosh, God has just done this crazy thing. Okay, like I was just sitting in my room, and then this angel, he just like, whoa, and he was there. And then, uh, and then he asked me to do this crazy thing, and then I said, yes, and now I have to figure out how I'm going to tell Joseph. I mean, why did he step in and make such a mess of my life? Well, I've never read that version. <laughs> I could imagine that version, but let's read Luke 48 to 55. Sorry, Luke 1. 
It says, this is Mary's response. I'm bursting with God news, and I'm dancing with the song of my Savior God. God took one look at me, and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on the earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe of him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off the high, their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud, and the starving poor sat down to a banquet, the callous rich left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham right up till now. She starts with Thanksgiving, doesn't she? I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing with the song of my Savior. She sounds pretty happy and pretty grateful. Then I think she embraces this risk factor that Tara was talking about, her reputation and her heart, by declaring the opposite. God took a good look at me, and look what happened. I am the most, what did she say? Fortunate, is the word, woman on the earth. Then she stepped into the ultimate, the best for me, God's unconditional love. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. Then, safety, belonging, shelter. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe of him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattering the bluffing braggarts. And then truth, the truth about God of the past, the God of the present, and the God of her future. He's the God of love, who loves the poor, is justice, compassion, and he is who he says he is. She says, he knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud, the starving sat down to a banquet, the callous rich were left out in the cold, and he embraced his chosen child. He remembered and piled on the mercies and piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham, right up till now. She started with thankfulness and knew, I will enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. I will enter um, with thanksgiving in my heart and I will enter his courts with praise. You know, thankfulness is not an anointing. We can't just like ask God, would you just please make me thankful? Would you pour out your thankfulness on me? And it's not a spiritual gift where somebody that we notice is thankful, we're like, I want more of that. Would you just come and pray for me and impart your thankfulness into me? It's not a spiritual gift. It's actually a choice, straight out, that each one of us get to choose. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God. Mary, when she was 14 and just engaged to Joseph, I don't think when she looked out that she expected that she was going to be pregnant out of marriage, be visited by an angel with a strange and outrageous request, be shunned and disbelieved, have to give birth to her first child in, with animals, 
away without any family support and just had her husband, which I'm sure he was fine, you know, he was probably really good, to have to flee for her life when baby was young and live away from family in the earliest years that Jesus was alive. The measure of trust that we live with becomes most evident when things turn out differently to what we expected or what we have prayed for. She chose thankfulness and verbalized it. She chose well. She didn't waft backwards and forwards, laying out the pros and the cons. And because of that, God's weight and his glory and beauty was able to rest on her. And the future of Jesus was secure and stable because she had an undivided heart and knew how to trust. And therefore, she had bold faith. She knew how to proclaim it over herself and proclaim out what Jesus was going to do. Then you had come. Mercies in the world. God will act. He will scatter the proud. He will deal with injustice on the earth, whether it's caused by unjust rulers or the arrogant rich. This is what her baby is going to do. Mary's trust in God is so clearly evident in the way that she didn't need to have that full picture in order to take action in the way that she chose to respond. I'd like to share with you a little piece um, from the word for you today. It says, A well-known Bible teacher tells of a pilot who reached word from the control tower, saying, You're, reached, you're cleared for 5,000 feet. When he got to that height, he had to hold for further instructions. Next came the words, you're cleared for 10,000 feet. Gradually, the controller took him level by level to 35,000 feet, where he was cleared to fly to his destination. God spoke to this Bible teacher and said, I'd wish that you'd trust me like that. Instead, you want to go straight to 35,000 feet in just one thrust. God only has good plans for you. He knows that if you rise too quickly, there are dangers. You may be in the cockpit, but God is in the control tower. That's right. He says to you, trust me, and I'll get you safely to your destination. God's plan for your life can't be rushed, and when you try to move too quickly, you lose valuable learnings and lessons, and you could crash. So Mary didn't need the whole picture to reach to 35,000 feet straight away for her first response to be, I am willing. Imagine if instead of saying that, she questioned and found out that she was going to give birth to the Son of God, yet she had to move around a lot and stay hidden from these murderous rulers. And then she wasn't even going to see the Son of God can do any miracles or have magnanimous moments for the first 30 years of his life. And then when she does get to see that, that's only for a few years before, spoiler alert, he dies on the cross. Do you think if... Mary knew that, and so much more that, that, that was waiting for her at the 35,000 35, feet, or her final destination, that her first response would be, I am willing. Instead of being immobilized by waiting for the p- bigger picture in your life from God, imagine what one small step of I am willing can do in your life. Mary said, I am willing, and she, she worked her way to the next 5,000 feet. And then the next, as she went on in this life changing, no, actually this world changing, 
even kingdom-changing journey with God. Mm. So good, Tara. And we want to finish with focusing on Jesus because as amazing as Mary was, she was actually all about Jesus. Her own purpose and focus was all about him. She knew that Jesus' birth was signaling a new order, that Christmas time is a new beginning. It was much more significant than just a political change, like everyone thought at first. It was a spiritual change, a new spiritual kingdom that Jesus was going to be establishing. And it would be hidden inside of those that say yes to him being their king. It's a kingdom where everyone, all, are invited to come and be a part of it and get to know this Jesus. King Jesus started it all, in fact. He said, I am willing. And what did he do? He came so that we would be able to have a restored life with Papa, Abba, Daddy God, the Holy Spirit, and himself by living here, being born here, living here, and living a perfect life, a sinless life, amazing, and then dying on the cross and taking all of our punishment, all of our wrongdoing upon himself instead of us having to receive that. And then he invites us to receive forgiveness, this way through life, setting us free to be able to show and tell everyone about this amazing acceptance, love, and forgiveness that we find in him. So what do we do? Well, we say yes to him. I am willing to totally turn away from the old ways and to live my life now for you, Jesus. In the next few weeks, we will have all sorts of opportunities with the checkout chick, through to our family, through to our friends, to be able to speak up at Christmas, speak up like Mary did, and, um, and use our words to be able to have impact, to be able to let them know about our I'm willing. You know, we've um, spent some time preparing some of like little simple pithy statements, I once was, but now I am, when we've actually given our lives to Jesus. You know, I once was anxious about so many things, but you know, with him and knowing that he's in charge, I now have peace. Or I was angry all the time, like anybody made me angry. But now that I know that God is actually helping me work all things out, I now can actually be content with the way in which life is actually heading. I once had no boundaries with people. Oh, you know, just like, just none. It was bad for them and bad for me. But now I have respect and value for myself and for others. I encourage you to approach Christmas like Mary did, willing to speak up, but willing to live in this new order that she's actually that Jesus has opened up for us. Let's be willing to share what we have found and not hold it back, not hold it in. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Tara.